0: Welcome to Sonic Serial. I'm Jesse.
1: And I'm Mark. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was still reading Bjork jokes. Uh, it's can okay. Can we start again? No, mm, That was good. No, come on.
0: Oh, th- th- All right.
1: Um, in this podcast, we took a deep dive into albums from some of our favorite artists, track by track.
0: And today we're going to be focusing on Bjork's 1993 album, Debut, which was recorded in London. And today we're going to be talking about tracks one and two, Human Behavior and Crying.
1: All right, let's start with track one, Human Behavior. Yeah. Uh, Jessie, if you could give us a little bit of background.
0: Well, she wrote this song when she was actually a kid and a teenager. Um, She wrote the Melody in 1988 when she was still the lead singer of the Sugar Cubes, and um, she said it was inspired by David Ottenborough, who, if you don't know, is an English documentarian, biologist, and uh, he works with BBC Natural History Channel, so a lot of his work focuses on, like, animals and biology and, um, yeah, the wonders of the natural world.
1: <laughs> which, um, uh, yeah, which would, which is, um, I guess foreshadowing. Yeah. Cause she goes on to work with him later. And a lot of her work is inspired by nature and she also has a side gig as an
0: environmentalist. Yeah. So they're a very good pair in that regard. Um, so this the song Human Behavior was actually called when she first wrote it it was called "Marson Min," which means my march um, and do you think it was my march like the month or my march like her her march well judging by the way it sounds it's like when you listen to it it kind of does sound like a military song yeah. so I think she means like huh. her march because in the notes you spelled it like the month no I didn't
1: Um, and also murder for two.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I was
1: joking. They're both spelled the same.
0: Yeah. So,
1: (laughs) you know, March comes from like the spring when people would go to war after the winter.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. I didn't know that. That's where it came from. That's where it came from. Oh, well, maybe it's like a double entendre. Maybe she wrote it in the month of March. Yeah. So let's move on to the video. (laughs) Uh, Um, yeah, let's talk about the video. Yeah, so this video was uh, her first music video for her solo album or solo career. Um and she chose Michel Gondry, who at this point was mostly directing videos for French bands like Wee oui Wee. Oui. And she saw one of those videos and she contacted him and um they've been long term collaborators ever since and uh um I guess, uh, well, you know uh, what this video was influenced by, actually?
1: (laughs) I do. Um, It was, uh, the influence of the video was a Russian animator named Yuri Norstein, and uh, he animated a classic cartoon called The Hedgehog
0: and The Fog. Yeah. Not to be confused with Frog. We just watched it recently, and it's pretty cute. It's, yeah. pretty, it's got pretty good animation for like the 70s um yeah so basically she says like th- the song is basically an animal's point of view on humans and the victories the victories <laughs> <laughs> um Please elaborate. Yeah. I don't know what that means. And in the end, the animals are the ones that win. Oh, and, I see. And so, um,
1: it's I think it's more about animals looking at humans, saying that looking at the way humans behave, saying that's fucking strange.
0: Yeah, and then they just kind of feel superior. Superior. Yeah, I can see that. And so that's portrayed in several different ways in the video. The video doesn't really have like a a narrative structure there's no plot or anything I mean there's like this guy you see this guy like hunting with a rifle and then a bear sneaks up and attacks him and meanwhile Bjork is in a cabin like I think she's supposed to be like Goldilocks and yeah I was gonna say kind of Snow White Goldilocks and there's the animals the c- around. Towards the end a moth comes in and interrupts her and, and like wreaks havoc and it's just kind Of a chaotic, fun video,
1: yeah. What would you say the style is? Mm. It's like stop motion, kind
0: of, yeah. It's just kind of all over the place, like, and it's kind of
1: it's like real footage plus stop motion,
0: but it's also like kind of low budget, like a kid's TV show. And so, yeah, it is
1: kind of Pew Herman, yeah, like Tim Burton, Tim Burton, yeah,
0: ish. So, it's very imaginative,
1: um. Mm. Yeah, um, i i i've quite enjoyed that video. Yeah. I I think for her first video away from the Sugar Cubes, um, it definitely um, struck out and and showed a different side. Yeah, it's of her.
0: definitely like a juvenile side, like a very juvenile or innocent. I don't know what you want to say, like childlike. I'd say
1: like whimsical, whimsical, and fun. Because the Sugar Cubes are very rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. Um...
0: Also, another fun fact about this video is that it's uh, the first of, like, a trilogy or a cycle in her video work that aligns up with Isabel and Bachelorette and Wonderless that come later in Hmm. her. Do those
1: videos um, follow... Is it, like, a theme from this video or is it just the songs that are... Part of a trilogy,
0: it's kind of like a theme, and then you can draw like a kind of a narrative
1: from oh, from it. The, through the videos, yeah, and the lyrics because they all
0: have like this <clears throat> cabin in the woods, like girl in mm. nature, things go wrong type of vibe. definitely worth checking out as a trilogy. Um, what else? The song was parodied in the Bill Nye the Science Guy. As cross-pollination with the lyrics. Have you heard it?
1: Cross-pollination.
0: You have? Yeah. Oh, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> so I probably shouldn't be talking about it, you <laughs> should. But yeah, I guess the lyrics are replaced with plants than the humans.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's not like a, a direct copy, but you can tell that it's, you know, kind of the drum beats. And Um. All right. Yeah. Speaking of of um, production,
0: uh, let's talk about production. So um. So the song begins with this timpani sample. Um. What is timpani? Timpani. It's like that big. Tell the kids. Tell the listeners about timpani. It's <laughs> Well, I can't give you like the factual. We could we
1: could listen to some timpani.
0: Yeah, here it is. Okay, and so it's like this big drum that they use in orchestras. You'd know it if you heard it. It's who are you talking to? <laughs> it's with you know makes that big epic bang. You know,
1: is our is our one listener someone you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, it's um actually okay, from yeah. a song called "Go Down, Dying," which is by Antonio Carlos Jobim, and it's from the soundtrack "The Adventurers" from the seventies. So lots of backstory there. Yeah. Yeah, so that sample is also layered with, like, African-sounding samples, and I wish I knew what those exact samples were, because I've always been fascinated by these little noises. By the drums? Noises. It's like this... I don't know.
1: Well, well, probably better to
0: play it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So it's that sound. And then then later on, um, these electric guitar sounds come in and i think that's kind of a nod Uh, my interpretation of it is like it's a nod to the time they were in like the grunge era and maybe it's like trying to show that it's a departure from like her sugar cubes Mm raw days but still paying a little homage to it yeah because i don't think she really uses electric guitar in any of her other songs besides this one so So like a segue yeah yeah a bridge yeah and maybe because she wanted to sing it with the sugar cubes actually oh yeah she wrote it for the
1: sugar yeah
0: sorry we kind of glossed over that but yeah she wrote it for the she brought it to the sugar cubes and um they just couldn't get on board with the idea of her bringing in this song that she wrote herself. So. Well, I think
1: they actually had a rule that yeah, um, you could bring ideas but not not fully formed songs and I think she yeah had a
0: vision for the song and brought it to them and they said Yeah, so maybe she had it in her mind that she wanted to do it in like a rock band context but it just didn't work out. So, so. that was like some legacy yeah. bits giblets. So she had to, do it for her own album and then um, yeah on the composition side of things uh, when she goes into the second verse it kind of like transposes up a half step I don't know if I'm using this terminology right but um, to me that kind of like adds some tension to the song and then it keeps going back and forth but yeah So it's kind of like a, it kind of sounds like a conflict in a way. Um, But yeah, for the most part, it's pretty, in my opinion, it's pretty repetitive. I mean, compared to her later work.
1: But I think it's like any tribal song is kind of repetitive. Yeah, yeah. You kind of get that. Yeah,
0: so yeah, overall it's uh, it's very percussive and very tribal. Um So, so, so let's, that's the production front of things. <laughs> let's talk about the
1: lyrics. Um she wrote it.
0: Yeah, she wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um I don't know. not every
1: singer writes their songs
0: that is true, so she writes most of her songs, so so kudos to her but um yeah, it's very straightforward it's just uh, she's just talking about you know, Ooh, wait, wait,
1: wait. she wrote it with
0: Nellie Hooper. Yeah, you, yeah, but I feel like Nellie I mean, if we're talking about lyrics, I don't think Nellie's like a lyric person. He's more of a producer, but he's on the he. He has writing credit, so yeah. Okay, we have
1: to. <laughs> we have to. <laughs> okay. Um. um, but he did produce it. He yes. Did produce a song. Okay. Yes. Um, and.
0: Cool. <laughs> uh yeah, so the lyrics are just talking about. Um... I don't know, it just, it just sounds like a woman offering words of wisdom, like, if you <laughs> ever get close to a <laughs> woman, woman <laughs> offering words of wisdom? It almost sounds like a psychic, like... Warning, all right, so you,
1: can, you, can you talk about her um, signature lyrical improv- improvisation?
0: Oh, yeah, so when I... Mean, I I'll talk about the lyrics a little bit, because... Yeah, so this is, I mean, for someone that's never heard Bjork before, if, like, you listen to this song, it's kind of an introduction to her signature singing, way of singing, like, where she improvs, and I've seen so many people try to fill in the gaps and, like, um, decipher what she's saying and pretend that she's using actual words, but she's not even... Or sometimes they think she's speaking Icelandic, but she's not. She's just saying gibberish, really. Hmm. Like... Oh, Simon <laughs> <someone laughs> ché, <che's gonna laughs> We can play some of that, yeah. This is what Um, I mean.
1: (laughs) Um, Okay, so more specifically, um, she explained um, a line in the song um, during a 2011 Q&A with The Guardian magazine. Um, she talked about the line there's definitely 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 no logic to human behavior pretty straightforward and I think we would all agree that's the case Um, but she said of that um, at the time I wrote it I was referring to my childhood and probably talking about how I felt more comfortable on my own walking outside singing and stuff rather than hanging out with humans I experienced harmony with kids the mountains and the ocean surrounding Reykjavik and animals um but she says she found grown-ups chaotic and nonsensical. So I think yeah. um the animals represent
0: adults. It's relatable. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh how I mean, I think it's most people know that it was critically very well received. Yeah. Um <clears throat> any any notable
0: Uh, Exceptions or comments? Yeah, not everyone shared that opinion because (laughs) a writer by the name of James Masterson wrote that it was unfortunately a a cacophonous mess. Um, This comes from a review of music and media. And they said it marries eccentricity to accessibility. Actually, um, Music and Media was a separate. Uh, like he was just a I'm he sorry. was just a
1: critic, um, and then Music and Media, which was a magazine that's not defunct, um, said this sol- solo album successfully marries eccentricity to accessibility. Did you say that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they're basically saying that, like, give anyone some instruments and studio time, and they would come up with a mess. To right. any untalented
0: person. And then Johnny D from <clears throat> Enemy said that the swampy kettle drum jazz vibe circles around <laughs> Bjork's rasping larynx, trying to find a melody, but eventually settling for the search. Wow.
1: I feel like I need to incorporate swampy kettle drum jazz vibe into, into <laughs> something. When somebody asks me, what's my vibe?
0: <laughs> can you play swampy kettle drum? <laughs> Swampy Kettle drum jazz vibe. Should <laughs> it should be a playlist. It should be a playlist.
1: All right. Uh, let's talk about the context of the album. This is the first track, obviously. Yes. Um, uh, how does it um, play into the rest of the album? How is it different and how is it the same? Um... I think you already mentioned that it it uses guitar uniquely. Yeah, and um,
0: then um, just introducing this kind of world music sound with, like, avant-garde pop. And just, um, yeah, just the Nelly Hooper production. Just very percussive, yeah.
1: Yeah. very we we will uh, in future podcasts cover the other songs from the album Very so eclectic um, Tune in uh, or check out uh, the other episodes where we talk about the other songs um, And we'll talk more about how they relate to this one um, You can cut that
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was just rambling.
0: Okay um,
1: Alright, uh, live performances. Um, this song was part of her MTV, very critically acclaimed MTV Unplugged set list. Yes. Um,
0: and she played it with a harpsichord. With only a harpsichord. With just a harpsichord. Just a harpsichord. And somehow managed to make it really danceable and energetic. And, fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, and poppy. Yeah uh
1: and that's not used in a derogatory Mm -mm. way poppy Mm. it's like well right now it's not yeah Also performed it uh, in 1993 uh, on an episode of uh, Late Night with Conan O'Brien, who's off the air now but was quite
0: popular back then. Yes. Um, and in 1990... 19- where else? <laughs> well, in 1994 at the Roskilde Festival, uh, Bjork and Underworld went on stage to perform their own remix of the song which i think that's pretty cool it would have been fun to see did she sing? yeah Pretty cool. Um,
1: and it was, it's basically a kind of go-to on her tours.
0: Yeah, she performs it pretty much on almost all of her tours. And I think that's really cool because she always finds a way to update it or make it fit with whatever style or instruments that she's dealing with at the moment. Um, One of my favorites is actually when she did the... Um, Vespertine tour, she performed this song and she did it with an orchestra and it sounds really epic and cinematic.
1: And then she also uh, composed a new flute arrangement
0: during the Utopia tour. Yeah. Can we hear a little bit of that? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> if we can find it. I think it's rare.
1: I think I've tried to look for it. Oh, but yeah. Okay, well, if you find it, you're going to hear it now. And if yeah. not, then... Um, and you do find it, um, let us know. <laughs> that um was the best Ves tour your favorite uh, live performance
0: absolutely <laughs> um, mine too I do like the unplugged one too and then she did it recently she brought it back with the harpsy chord recently for one of her orchestral recent orchestral tours yeah
1: um, and are there any besides underworld any other remixes or covers that you
0: mm. um no they all pretty much sound like generic mm. you know just like trying to bring it to the clubs and promote they don't add anything to it nothing exciting and i mean i'm not a big fan of, like early 90s dance music myself but... <gasps> yeah i oh, am yeah. maybe more mid 90s but yeah <laughs>
1: any trivia notes on this song yeah i think we've talked about everything there is to say yeah how about your personal experience with this song was it the first bjork song you ever heard no yeah this was the first bjork song i heard and i was a big fan of the sugar cubes so um i was disappointed when i first heard it because i yeah because i wanted it to sound like the sugar cubes Uh. oh Um, because I really liked them. And then I heard this and it was like, you know, like when, like when Fergie left the Black (laughs) Black Eyed Peas. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Or Gwen Stefani left, no doubt. You know, it was like trying to break out with a new song. And at first people weren't into it. But then, Mm. um, then I got into it. Then I realized that, um... I should stop comparing it to the Sugar Cubes and start listening to her um, for her own merit. And I ended up liking her much more than the Sugar Cubes over time. I mean, I still love the Sugar Cubes. Yeah. But, um, yeah. That was probably, I think, similar experience for a lot of people in that day and age. Yeah. But I think it's, like, tales old as time. Right. (laughs) You know, like... Look, you've been with Sinewave for how many years? Um, uh, <laughs> five? Six? Uh, ten? Ten? Ten years. Um, over ten okay. years. One day you're going to break out, make a solo album under Jesse. Yeah. And your fans are going to revolt,
0: and then they're going to come around. <laughs> All right. I'm going to realize that I'm just one person instead of five.
1: Oh,
0: <laughs> um, my split personalities will go away. So, that's not funny. Sorry. Um.
1: (laughs) So this song charted number one in Iceland in 1993, and I think that was its highest chart, and its lowest charting was in Australia, um, at number 63.
0: Was it all her family?
1: (laughs) Just family in Australia? I mean, in Iceland. Oh, in Iceland? No, it's like pride, you know, like country pride. Yeah. I know. Um and then in the US let's see in the UK it was number 20 and in the US in the alternative airplay chart it was number 2. Oh, so wow. and yeah. in the dance club. So mm-hmm. I think that I think that that oh, okay. was something that was unusual back then for a song to chart. I used to follow Billboard like a lot and mm-hmm. it was I think it was probably one of the first times where a song um, debuted both in the Alternative and Dance Mm. clubs, because... Yeah. Yeah.
0: good for her. Good
1: times. (laughs) 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 Um, All right. I I think that we have beat Human Behavior to death. Yeah. Or at least covered it um, to our satisfaction.
0: Yeah, and hopefully to yours.
1: Are you talking to me? <laughs> oh, our, our, <laughs> our listeners. The listener. Yes. Um, so, uh, as we threatened at the beginning, we're doing um, Human Behavior Maybe and Crying, crying um, which is the second song on the album. We decided, why did we lump these together? Tell tell our listeners. Because
0: that's <clears throat> the track thing. That's how it goes. Yeah,
1: but, but some song... <laughs> Some episodes we're just gonna to devote to one song. Right? Or no? Just
0: never. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe.
1: Yeah. Why are we lumping these two together? Why didn't we do uh, Crying because, by Itself?
0: Um you know, crying is just it's not a single. It's uh, That's what I was looking it's for. It's not a fan favorite. There's not yeah. much to say about it really, but there are some things to say about Let's it. Let's say them now. Okay, so. Um. Yeah, crying is actually based on a demo that she improvised over with producer by the name of Simon Lovejoy, and this was back in nineteen ninety. So um, she was still with the Shergers. I think so, or she was just. Or she was leaving. Yeah. departing Trying yeah. to find her foot in the London <coughs> scene. Um. Uh, it's tough to have, having one foot in London. Yeah. <laughs> But um when she released the album she never credited him for anything so um he decided to sue her. Um but he ended up losing the case because because the je- the judge claimed that he was vague and unreli- unreliable, and the judge said, "Where there's a hit, there's a writ." So it's not that, it's writ, die, It's W R I T. Writ. Yes.
1: It's like a like a legal, a legal suit or undertaking.
0: But, I mean, when you listen to the demo, it sounds very similar, so I I don't understand, like, what happened there. But... um, Yeah, I think that
1: even though I agree with the judge when he said that when... um, that people don't really care about. I think it's with any type of media or entertainment or music yeah. or literature or
0: anything that nobody
1: cares until it becomes
0: famous and popular. Yeah, and I sh- yeah I should also point out that this he didn't end up suing her until like a few years after yeah. this album came out. So <clears throat>
1: and I think what he was vague about when I looked at it is that he couldn't. Um, He couldn't prove that they didn't actually collaborate on his version
0: together. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you you don't really know the story. I mean, he could have just said, yeah, go ahead, do whatever you want with it. I don't care. And then she got famous, and he was like, oh, oh. (laughs) Cash cash money. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Um, What about the lyrics? We won't
0: dive into them, but what are they about?
1: What's the song about?
0: It's about... Being in the city and being lonely and just wanting to find, you know, your partner. Just crying because you're alone.
1: But, okay, so she wrote this in 1990. She was new to London. Yeah. So this is probably somewhat autobiographical. It's a a
0: very, yeah, it's a very, like, I'm so single and sad, you know. Yeah. Single and sad.
1: Um And the talks about taking locomotives, um, trains on a hot day.
0: Yeah, it's just like, I think she's just trying to paint the most miserable imagery, which is interesting because it's like ju- juxtaposed with this, like the song sounds very poppy and dancey, and I' always thought that contrast was interesting. I
1: Something very melancholy and wistful about sitting in a train and watching the scenery go by. Yeah. And we just saw the movie Sliding Doors. Yeah. Which is about trains. Yeah. And they're a metaphor for
0: what? Chaos? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Or like,
1: Um, missing
0: out on love.
1: No, I think they're a metaphor, yeah, for things flashing by, you know, for like, it's like you're moving and things are going past you and you're, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, And eventually you get to a station where you're supposed to get off, but while you're traveling, you're like, maybe I should be there. Right. Um, And there's no video for this song. No. It would have just been her sitting in the train watching the scene. Yeah, if there
0: was a video, it should be her on a train, like everyone dancing, but her, like, just sitting down on the seat and, like, I like that. Crying or something. Being a mess. Being a hot mess. Huh. With, like, mascara running down her face. I think that
1: she should be the only one dancing and everyone's sad. Oh, so she's like manic? <laughs> no, she's just happy and and dancing, but everyone's sad and she's not talking about herself. She's oh okay, so her
0: her words are being channeled and everyone else right? No, it's
1: she's just it's like all these people on the train being sad and alone. Oh, so she's speaking for them. Yeah. Okay. Like she is in Got the song. It. She's speaking she's not speaking just for herself. Got it. She's speaking for mankind. Yeah, for it humanity. is
0: a, it's a very universal song. <laughs>
1: Well, we spent a lot
0: longer on this song than I thought we were going to. It's okay.
1: Um, And we haven't even talked about production yet.
0: Yeah, well, there's not much to say. I mean, it's a very, like I was saying, generic 90s dance pop song. And it has one of your favorite instruments, the sax. The saxophone. I don't know if it's a real sax, but yeah, it's like that kind of... I don't really like when there's saxophone in like pop or dance music. Um, There is a break at one point where it starts to sound industrial and kind of experimental. If
1: you... If you hadn't heard this song before, I bet you're out there right now pulling it up on Just wonder. YouTube or <laughs> Spotify or wherever, um, wanting to listen to it because I feel like we've really talked it up. Yeah. Um, let's see. Any other interesting aspects of the song, covers?
0: Um, the only interesting aspect <laughs> I can think of is when the band Queens of the Stone Age, uh used uh, the lyric, there's no one here and people everywhere, on one of their songs called Better Living Through Chemistry.
1: small sample or not even sample it's a very small borrow
0: yeah
1: I feel like that's something that
0: could it just be a coincidence um
1: no because it probably came out at a similar time yeah and she was pretty influential I can't I can't think of a single kind of 90s indie dance um band or artist who was not who has not talked about being influenced by Björk. Yeah. And this was the album that
0: they were influenced by. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only just begun.
1: <laughs> uh, which is a good segue into... Um, uh, thanks for tuning in. <laughs>
0: yes, thank you. Uh,
1: the next episode, we will discuss
0: um, tracks three and four, which are venus as a boy and there's more to life than this absolutely
1: uh so join us um, then
0: and we look forward
1: we look forward to talking about them because
0: it's fun yeah thank you for thank listening you. to sonic Serial. thank you for listening to sonic Serial. goodbye goodbye